Hey there, future friends! This week, the stunts get old, and when the moon hits your planet, that's not amore. This is the week of February 4th, 2022, and you are listening to the Future Flicks with Billiam podcast. everyone welcome to the show we do have a really short week this week as far as movies go there's there's not a lot coming out only two nationwide releases though as we know if you've been around this show for a while we do know that late winter early spring slow time for movies in general though oddly enough a lot of horror movies come out in this time which i don't get well, let's get this show started. Let me tell you what it is I do here. My name is Billiam, and you are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. And on this show, I do one thing, and that is I tell you every movie coming out during the week. That's right. This is a very time-sensitive show in the fact that, no, you don't have to go back and listen to all of the other shows that I have done. You can start with this one and just wait for the next, because next week I will come out with another show about the movies that week. What I do is I break the movies down into two categories. The first is the limited release movies. Those are any limited release movies that did not catch my eye. So anything that is not getting a nationwide release, whose trailer really didn't speak to me. In that segment, what I do is I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, who's in it, And then maybe I'll give a thought or two, but then I'll move on. The next segment is called Wide Releases and Interesting Indies, which is exactly what it sounds like. Every single nationwide release, no matter how good or bad I may think it is, plus those indie films or limited release films that did actually catch my eye. In that segment, what I do is I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, who's in it, and then I definitely give you some thoughts on it. And those thoughts I will wrap up with a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, a.k.a. the Bill Score. And that can go anywhere from a 0 for those awful, awful films to an 11 for those films that take it up that extra notch. And then I wrap it all up with a pick of the week, which I say, hey, friend, listener, if you go see one movie this week, this is what you should see. So without further ado, my friends, let's start the show with the first film, which I almost didn't talk about because I'm not 100% certain it really is coming out and it's weird. The movie is called Air Doll. This is getting a limited release and it's a movie from Japan that came out first in 2009. And I wasn't certain at first if I was looking at the right movie, because as you know, sometimes a movie comes out with the same name. But with this one, it seems like every resource I checked did say this is coming out. So this movie is called Air Doll. Like I said, a Japanese movie from 2009. This is about a life-size blow-up doll who develops a soul and falls in love with a video store clerk. 
So yes, this sounds really weird, but quite literally a sex doll that this guy lives with magically gets a soul kind of like some weird adult Pinocchio. If you know me, you know I love Asian cinema, but this is one that I'm going to pass up 100%. Next up, we have one called The Long Night. This is about a devoted couple's quiet weekend takes a bizarre turn when a nightmarish cult and their maniacal leader come to fulfill a apocalyptic prophecy. This stars Scout Taylor Compton from Rob Zombie's Halloween movies and Deborah Kara Unger from Crash. Uh, this one I was torn with because it does look interesting. Looks like a, a an interesting horror, but it could also be really slow and too try-hard because thanks to a lot of A24 horrors, things like The Witch and Midsummer and The Lighthouse, we're getting a lot more movies that are taking more cerebral takes on horror. And while this doesn't fully look like a cerebral horror in, in that sense, it looks like it's trying to be with a mix of a cult movie. And it just kind of seems like it misses the mark. Next up, we have a movie called Alone With You. As a young woman painstakingly prepares a romantic homecoming for her girlfriend, their apartment begins to feel more like a tomb when voices, shadows, and hallucinations reveal a truth she's been unwilling to face. And when I was watching the trailer for this one, I thought that it could be interesting, but then the second half of the trailer just went really weird, and it seems like one of those movies that's purposefully gonna f*** with your head, but not in an interesting or clever way. So, nah. Next up, we have a movie called The Wolf and the Lion. This is a movie about a wolf pup and a lost lion cub who are rescued by a girl in the heart of the Canadian wilderness. Their friendship will change their lives forever. If you like sappy movies about animals, this could be for you. It's just literally about a woman, like it says, who lives in the Canadian wilderness who finds a lost lion cub and a wolf brings her pup to her because I guess her father was friends with the wolf or something, because that's a thing. But the evil circus owner, who should have owned the cub, comes for her. And oh no, how's it going to end? Oh, I didn't tell you who's in this. Uh, this is a movie from Canada, and it stars Molly Coons from Widows and Graham Greene. Yes, Graham Greene himself from Dances with Wolves. And yes, I do think I just said wolves instead of wolves. Good, good for me. I, I can speak English, I swear. So yes, Wolf and the Lion. Uh, it looks basic and very, very skippable. The only reason, the only reason I would see this is if you want to take your kids to a movie or eventually when it comes out on streaming or to own, if your kids want to watch a movie and they really love wolves or lions or animals and something like that, it's not bad. But for the rest of us, it looks skippable. Next up, we have a film called Last Looks. This is about a disgraced ex-cop who seeks solace by moving to the woods, but his quiet life comes to an end when a private eye recruits him to investigate a murder. This stars Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy, Mel Gibson, yeah, who you would know as a living disaster, Lucy Fry from Bright, Dominic Monaghan from Lord of the Rings, Rupert Friend from Hitman, Agent 47, and Morena Baccarin from Firefly. So two questions. First of all, how is hiring Mel Gibson a good idea anymore? It's like that Italian director or somewhere in Europe, some director hired Kevin Spacey for a movie. It's like, really? So when compared to that, hiring Mel Gibson doesn't seem that bad. But still, why would you hire Mel Gibson? 
Second question, why would you hire Mel Gibson to play a British person? He's either a British person or an American actor doing an awful British accent. But either way, no matter what, this still doesn't look like a good movie. In fact, it just kind of looks like the director of this movie, who's a guy named Tim Kirby, who's worked on the show Fleabag and the other show Brockmire. But anyway, it looks like he watched a Paul Thomas Anderson movie and went, yes, I want to do something like that, but just kind of fail. That's the vibe I'm getting from this. And by Paul Thomas Anderson movie, I don't mean something like There Will Be Blood. I'm thinking more like Inherent Vice or Boogie Nights or maybe Licorice Pizza. I haven't seen Licorice Pizza yet, but a movie critic that I trust a lot, Straw Hat Goofy, brought up a very important thing about the movie and how actually problematic it is. So I'm not sure if I want to watch it now. But anyway, we're talking about last looks and how it just looks eh. Two more movies left in the limited section. Let's talk about the worst person in the world. No, this is not a movie about J.K. Rowling. This is a movie that chronicles four years in the life of Julie, a young woman who navigates the troubled waters of her love and struggles to find her career path, leading her to take a realistic look at who she really is. This is a Norwegian movie, and it could be really good, and... I'm just so torn on putting it in the next segment because my main problem with that is that she's clearly cheating on her husband. But from the look of the trailer, it's trying to make it look like, oh, poor her. She doesn't know what to do. Don't f***ing cheat on your husband. That's number one right there. Like if it was just a mistake, still iffy, but at least a little more understandable than her constantly doing it. This movie does have promise, but the trailer doesn't make me think they're going to take it in the direction that I would be okay with. And that's why I'm going to stay away from this for now. And last up in the limited section, we have a film called Last Survivors. This is about a father and son who have been living off grid for 20 years. They encounter an outsider who threatens to destroy the utopia they've built. This stars Drew Van Acker from Pretty Little Liars, Alicia Silverstone from Batman and Robin, and Stephen Moyer from True Blood. You would know him from his very quotable line, Suki. Uh, he's also known as the wrong choice. I am Team Eric all the way. Bill was awful. On paper, this movie sounds interesting. It, it does. But the problem is that you gather from the trailer so much of what's happening that I am now no longer interested. So if that does interest you, like fast forward a little bit, because I'm about to tell you everything from the trailer, which... It gives away so much. So Stephen Moyer's character is the dad of Drew Van Acker's character. And they are survivalists out in the middle of the woods because the apocalypse has happened and everything has gone to shit. And they're trying to live on their own, living off the land. And one day when the dad is sick, the son goes out scavenging. You know, like you do. You've seen Walking Dead. You know, that's what they do. But here's the thing. The world hasn't gone to shit. Or if it did... It has since recovered because when he's out doing his scouting thing, he's in a house trying to find medication for his dad and finds this woman played by Alicia Silverstone. He goes back to his dad, but he keeps going out to meet her and they start having an affair, which high school me is very jealous of. And that's the part that threatens to destroy everything they've built. But you know, I could also be wrong. The trailer could have thrown in some red herrings and there really is an apocalypse and the scenes they show of things being normal is just a flashback, and I could have been fooled. But either way, 
this looks skippable. So my friends, before we go on to our first and only break, I just want to talk about something because Critter, good friend of the show, good friend to me personally, from Somewhat Nerdy Radio and the Watch Your Mouth podcast, two of the best podcasts out there. You should listen to them. But let's face it, really, if you listen to me, you probably do. So you know this. So you know Critter. But before I rebooted the show, I, w- I talked to him about it and he had an idea, something he would like to hear. And that is me talking about what I'm watching on streaming, be it a movie or a show, because he says sometimes he wants to watch something but doesn't know what to watch. So I want to share something with you that I have been watching a lot of. And I listened to an audiobook called Black Nerd Problems, Essays by Omar Holman and William Evans, uh, the founders of Black Nerd Problems. And it was really, really good. It was such a good book that dealt so wonderfully, not only about nerd culture, but also the black experience in nerd culture, which I have no idea what it is because I am so very white. I identify as a Japanese American. So it was a very interesting book, but they talk about a show that I decided to try. And it's a cartoon currently on Cartoon Network called Craig of the Creek. I found out that HBO Max has all three seasons and the new season coming out, or is it two seasons in the new season? Either way, they have them all. And it's so good. Because let's face it, despite what your parents or grandparents may have said, you're never too old for cartoons. And this is such a well-done cartoon in their quick 15-minute episodes. And it's so wholesome and funny and relatable from what I remember being a kid. And it's so clever. The easiest comparison I can think of is it gives me Kid Next Door vibes. Do you remember that show, Kid Next Door or Kids Next Door? It reminds me kind of like Kids Next Door and Recess and shows like that but in a league far above. I highly recommend this show. So that is what I've been watching on streaming. Though when my wife gets back home, we will be watching the third season of Cobra Kai, which it's been really hard not to watch it without her. Well, my future friends, that is it for the first half of the show. Let's take our first and only break as we hear a word from our good friends, and we'll be right back with the wide releases and interesting indies. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? Fuck all that, f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. 
And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. We are back. We are back with those movies that looked very or at least semi-interesting to me. And let's start with one called Lingui, The Sacred Bonds. This is a limited release film and the only limited film that made it in this segment. Amina, a practicing Muslim, lives with her daughter, 15-year-old Maria. When Amina learns Maria is pregnant and wants to abort the child, they face an impossible situation in a country where abortion is legally and morally condemned. This is a movie from the country Chad, and it's filmed in French, which I learned is one of Chad's official languages. Look, I shouldn't have to mention why this film is important, especially now, especially what's going on in America as we speak. Because we hear a plot like this and we're like, oh yes, of course that happens in a country far away in some third world country. No, it's, it's very topical even for us. It also has a benefit of actually looking good. So not just an important message, but actually a good looking film. And I've never seen a movie from Chad before. So I am excited to add that to my list. Because this year I do want to watch more foreign cinema. I have watched movies from other countries before, but it's just like me trying to read more people of color and LGBTQ books before I had read some, but I should really make it a point to go out there and search for them too. And so this is on my list. So Lingui, The Sacred Bonds, very topical, gets an 8 out of 11. Next up, we have a Netflix original movie called Through My Window. Raquel's longtime crush on her next-door neighbor turns into something more when he starts developing feelings for her, despite his family's objections. This is a movie from Spain. So my future friends, if you too are trying to broaden your horizons, this is one coming to Netflix. And it looks okay, though it does have a very familiar story where we have this super rich, well-to-do family, their next-door neighbors who aren't as rich and well-to-do. Though it doesn't look like she's poor, uh, it just looks like they're not as rich as this guy's family. And the family's like, no, you can't, you know, date her. She's a Capulet. But except for gang warfare, it's just classism. Yay. This doesn't look bad. It just doesn't look super notable and pretty basic. Through My Window gets a 5.5 out of 11. Three movies left, my friends. Yes, this is probably going to be a pretty short episode. The next one is called Book of Love. This comes to Amazon Prime, and this is about two writers thrown together on a book tour in Mexico. This stars Sam Claflin from Me Before You and Veronica Echegui from Fortitude, which is a Amazon Prime TV show. So that very short premise doesn't really say much, which normally is good, but I didn't find that basic premise interesting. Then once I watched the trailer... It looks a lot different. It looks a lot, a lot more interesting because we have Sam Claflin playing this writer who's never had much fame and he finds out that his book is selling really, really well in Mexico. And so he's going to these events and this woman who was his book's translator in Mexico is going with him and he's thinking it's a little weird because it's mainly older women who are there and he's wondering 
what they are so fascinated about about his book. And it turns out this woman wrote a different book. She took his book, took the characters, and just made it a smutty romance, and it exploded in Mexico. And no one in America knew because they never bothered to check to make sure it was the same book. So it's really her that's famous. No one actually likes his book, and it's about their relationship during it. Will they fall in love? Who knows? Yeah, they're probably going to fall in love. This is an interesting idea. I really like it. And even though it feels familiar, it is unique in the sense that even though we've had movies about writers falling in love with someone who's working for them or working with them, I'm not sure if we've had one like this where someone rewrites a different book. I think there's something, it's just gnawing at the back of my mind and I can't think of it. I know out there somewhere is a film that has a similar premise just about the rewrite. I'm not sure if it's a romance too, but you know what? For something that comes to Amazon Prime, and let's face it, a lot of us have Prime. Because even though Amazon's that big, bad, evil company, eh, you gotta have it. It's just so convenient. And if you don't have Amazon Prime, you know someone who does, so you can probably find a way to watch this movie coming out this week. And I like Sam Claflin. I thought he was good in Me Before You. I preferred the book to the movie, but big shock there. There are very few times I prefer the movie to the book. But I think he did a good job. He was also in Hunger Games. He plays uh, one of the other winners that you see in the second one. Oh, he's Fennec. That's right. And fun fact, a couple years ago, I read this book that I really loved called Daisy Jones and the Six. It's fantastic. It's done interview format. And it's about a band that is reminiscent of Fleetwood Mac. It's a fictional book, of course. And it's about this band called the Six and this charismatic singer named Daisy Jones and how they meet one day and they make this amazing album. Uh, rumors? Anyone? Fleetwood Max Rumors? And But they kind of implode and they never really work together again. So it's about this woman who's trying to find out what happened and she's interviewing all the members. It's being turned into a miniseries and Sam Claflin's playing the main dude. Riley Keough is playing Daisy, which... It's okay, I like her. I mean, why not? Uh, the, the show does sound interesting, but right now we're talking about Sam Claflin in Book of Love, coming out this week on Amazon Prime. Looks pretty interesting. I give it a 7 out of 11. My friends, we have something important to talk about. We have something very important to talk about, and it's about elder abuse. That movie, of course, is called Jackass Forever. After 11 years, the Jackass crew is back for their final crusade. This stars the Jackass crew. And of course, there are cameos by people and stuff, but I just read a report today. I just read a story where Johnny Knoxville, because of a stunt in Jackass Forever, suffered terrible cerebral repercussions where I guess he lost motor function or something, or he lost he lost something because of this stunt with a bull, and it took him a while to get all of his motor functions back. And it's like, dude, that was stupid shit to do back then. It was funny. I loved it. I loved Jackass. I loved the movies. But you're old now. Johnny Knoxville is 50 years old. The Undertaker was in his mid-50s when he fully retired, and by the end of his career, he was done. Like, he would come back for one match, usually in WrestleMania, to make his streak even longer. But you could see as the match went on, he just didn't have it. It's not because he's in good shape. He's 
freaking 50 years old. He's been doing this forever. You could be in great shape and it's going to take its toll. And the Jackass crew, even though they're not sports athletes like The Undertaker, still probably shouldn't be getting hit by a bull. You know, one of my favorite all time, all time favorite Jackass pranks was that one where they had that gigantic hand, that spring loaded hand as they're walking in the office. And I think it was Wee Man who was waiting at the end of the hall, greeting everyone, going, hi, and he'd raise his hand, and right as everyone else raised their hands and walked through the door, the, the hand would slide out and just smack him, and I think it sent one of them flying back, and the person actually passed out. I remember watching Jackass 2 in theaters and laughing so hard my side hurt. And let's be honest, my friends, this movie is for us. This is for our generation, assuming you're, you're around my age. I'm in my uh, late 30s. We were the jackass generation, and this is for us. I will see this. I will probably own it. Do I want to go to the theater to watch Jackass Forever during a pandemic? No, I do not. If there was no pandemic, I would probably go see this, but you're not missing anything by watching it at home. And remember what I say about my pick of the week. And why sometimes I pick the blockbuster, or a lot of the times I do pick the blockbuster, is because you're going to get the most bang for your buck by watching those movies in theaters. I didn't watch Rampage in theaters. I watched that at home for the first time. It was was okay. I liked it. It was a Dwayne Johnson action flick. What's not to like? It was basic. It was enjoyable. Would I have enjoyed it more on the big screen? Yes, probably. As for Jackass Forever... I don't think I need to see it. Not in theaters. Will I own it when it comes out? Yes. As I said, I will own this. It will go with my other Jackass movies. Or actually, I'll probably just wait for a box set. They're they're probably going to do a big box set. No, I'll wait for that. You know what I miss? I miss the Wild Boys. Do you remember that show with Steve-O and Chris Pontius where it was the nature show, but it was, you know, Jackass? That was a good show. I remember back then, it was a good night if I could watch a new episode of Jackass and a new episode of Attack on the Show on G4. That would have been a good night. The good thing about movies like this, and I've said this before on the show, is you know if you're going to watch it. You know if you're even interested. Did you like the Jackass TV show? Did you like the Jackass movies? If not, easy peasy, don't even consider watching this. If you did, you may want to give it a shot, but I think you should be like me and don't see it in theaters. I think this is not going to do well in theaters and we're going to see a bigger spike in in their numbers and how much money they make when it's actually released. That's what I think we'll see. If it comes to streaming, definitely stream it. It'd be worth that. But for now, Jackass Forever gets an 8 out of 11. All right, my future friends, it's time for the pick of the week. So let's talk about it. It's called Moonfall. In Moonfall, a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and sends it hurtling on a collision course with life as we know it. With mere weeks before impact, the world on the brink of annihilation, NASA executive and former astronaut Joe Fowler is convinced she has the key to saving us all, but only one astronaut from her past, Brian Harper, and a conspiracy theorist, Casey Houseman, believe her. These unlikely heroes will mount an impossible last-ditch mission into space, leaving behind everyone they love, only to find that they might have prepared for the wrong mission. This stars Halle Berry from Executive Decision. Do you remember that one with Kurt Russell and Steven Seagal? That was good. And John Leguizamo and Oliver Platt. That was good. 
Patrick Wilson from The Conjuring Universe, John Bradley from Game of Thrones, Michael Pena from Ant-Man, Donald Sutherland from The Italian Job, or, you know, just the first part, Charlie Plummer from Looking for Alaska, and Eme Ukuakor from Inhumans. When I just said, talking about Jackass, when I just said that there are reasons blockbusters should be seen in theaters, this is it. This is what I'm talking about. Watch the trailer for this. This looks bonkers. I think this is done by Roland Emmerich. Let me see. Roland Emmerich. Where is your name? There it is. Roland Emmerich. This smells exactly like something he would do. Roland Emmerich, you would know from Independence Day, Godzilla, Day After Tomorrow, the 90s Godzilla, mind you. Uh, The Stargate movies, our movie and the TV show. And he's rebooting Stargate. And I swear to God, Roland Emmerich, if you Stargate, if you my favorite franchise, uh, I'll just cry. I'm not going to threaten you. I'm just going to cry. And he's pretty good. He has a good track record. 2012 was stupid. 10,000 BC was stupid, but they were enjoyable. Day After Tomorrow, stupid but enjoyable. Do you see what what's going on? Independence Day was actually good. Stargate was actually good. Independence Day Resurgence was hot garbage. So those odds aren't bad. So if you've watched the trailers, you know what they're teasing about. You know that they're teasing that... It's not that something launched the moon at us. It's that the moon isn't what we thought it was. It's some sort of alien craft or it's alive and it's coming for us. Or there's something that will be explained in the movie on why the moon is coming towards us. And just like a lot of these movies, it's going to be so scientifically inaccurate, but we don't care. We don't care. I remember when 2012 came out. I remember when The Day After Tomorrow came out. I think my dad shared the story with me at the time going, oh, they showed it to a bunch of meteorologists and they all laughed their ass off. Good for them. It never claimed to be scientifically accurate because I'm pretty sure by the time the moon got too close, we'd all be dead. And if a meteor the size of Texas can destroy the earth, I'm pretty sure the moon can. But let's be honest. You don't watch movies like this for their scientific accuracy. You don't watch movies like this because you sit down and you're like, hmm. What might be nominated for an Oscar next year? Is it going to be this? No, it's not. You watch a movie like this because it's fun, because it's sci-fi fun. It's action-packed. It reminds me of Armageddon and Deep Impact. Deep Impact, that was it. That was a good one, right? Elijah Wood, those other people. Taya Leone. Oh, God, who else was in it? Oh, I'm having trouble remembering. Who was the president? Morgan Freeman was the president. Um, I'm not going to look it up. Was Mary McDonald in it too? Anyway, that was a good one. I put this movie in league with those. It's not going to be on your list of favorite things. You're not going to go, wow, this is going to go right on my top 10 list, but you're going to have fun. And I guarantee you this is going to be a movie that Rotten Tomatoes, that giant bag of shriveled nutsacks, is going to absolutely shit on. It's going to be such a rotten movie by their score, just just awful and critically panned, but then the audience will be a lot more forgiving. Because remember, my friends, if you do check Rotten Tomatoes, look for the audience score. Because people with souls are who you should listen to and not the critics. But I can't escape the fact that even though this is the perfect film to see in theaters, I I don't have to see it. I don't think you have to see it either. It's good, but I don't think the studio believes in it. Because if they did, they wouldn't have released it now. They would have released it in the summer probably before or after a Marvel film, maybe giving it a week on its own. They would have done something like that, but they didn't. They are putting it out in the beginning of February. 
So will it be bad if you wait to watch this at home? No. It might be better on the silver screen, but it's not going to be bad. That being said, Moonfall gets an 8 out of 11. Well, my future friends, that's it for this episode. I may take a break next week. I know I just came back, but I may take a break next week just because my wife is coming back from the UK finally. I will try not to, though, and I will. I hope I will see you next week. But as always, you can always reach out to me and contact me. You can email me at billionreviews at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at futureflixpod. You can follow me on Instagram at billiamswn. You can follow me on Letterboxd at billiamswn. Remember to give some love to the good friends of the show, the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, and we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. They just announced their new book club for February, so go check that out. And Raz, our good friend Raz from Raz's Midnight Macabre, and who has been on the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, and, and he's a Somewhat Nerdy alum, is on a new podcast for two episodes, I think, called Broad Humans. Please go check that out. It's on Spotify and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. So as I send you along your way to listen to the other great shows you may enjoy, remember, just say hi, reach out, tell me what you think, tell me what you are excited for this week, or if you've seen anything good recently. I'd be more than happy to have a chit-chat with you about that. But my dear friends, that is it for this episode, and I'll see you in the future.